listening to ABQ Central. Well, to be fair. 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 With your host, Van Nunley. <laughs> this is going to be so good. And Fred Slow. I am the cream here. The cream of the crop. 95.9 FM, 610 The Sports Animal. And talkabq.com. Turn it up. Turn it up. It's Monday, Albuquerque. You know what that means. The boys are here. I am Fred Slow, and I will hang out with you up until 5.30 p.m. when I will hand this program off to Monday Night Football. Van's not here. What? Van's not here? Van's not here, man. (laughs) The number two seat, but number one in my heart, my very best friend, and all of things that are soccer and Albuquerque and community related, one David Carl. David Carl, welcome to the program. Happy to be here. Uh, as you know, yes, uh, I am a longtime listener, first-time co-host. I have heard your intro many times. Uh-huh. I always wonder, why, did, why is it, to be fair, to I be fair, started watching Letterkenny. You to get it. Fair. Now I get it. Now you now get now it. Now I get it. Mike Vitale. Is in the back playing the drums for this band. Hello, Michael. How are you? Hello. How was the weekend, Al, everybody? David oh, Carl, God. good to have you along. Thanks for having me. I tell you, I just had at or near the best weekend I could possibly have. Yeah? Yeah, just at or near. It was uh, two volleyball games for New Mexico Highlands, so I was able to bring that action to the RMAC and New Mexico Sports Network. Love that. Had a lot of fun. Then me and the lady went to a dress rehearsal. We're putting on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I am a big fan, and I will be there. So, thank you. So that's at the Lobo Theater on Saturday night. Uh, But we did like a dress rehearsal, and me and my lady went, because I guess, what's the title? I'm a producer, I guess. So I went, and uh, we watched, and I was like, well, this is nice. I kind of produced this. Yeah, you made that happen. Yeah, so it was a fun little thing. And then watch Dune. I've heard that's very good. I need to go watch it. All right. Well, I'm not going to say you've been drastically lied to. Read the book. I've read the book. I've read the book. Are you the type of guy that's read a lot of books? I, I like books. Yeah? I read a lot of books. David Carl, you're known as the soccer guy around town, but for real, you're a lot more than that. You're, you're I'm known as a lot of other things around town that we can't say on the air. <laughs> we're going to have extensive talks today about the United, their playoff push here at the end of the season, which we're very excited about. Excited to get through all those Wednesday games. Yeah. Give me a Saturday night. Saturday night, or let's sell the place out. The 30th this Saturday night, you go to the you go to the United game. The United game is at 7? Uh, it's early. It's 5 o'clock. Get 5 you back o'clock. Plenty of time for Rocky Horror. Thank you. Yeah. Costumes? We're doing Dia de los Muertos. Have some fun. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's the enthusiasm I want. Yeah. So the United are at home. Uh, Got to win. Like, yes. Like, stress that enough right now. It is the biggest game of the season, bar none, period, exclamation point. That's the end of that conversation. Yep. We must win. We need a little bit of help from RGV along the way. And we're in the postseason for the third straight year. Let's do it. RGV, Vital is Rio Grande Valley. Just so you're No, old. I knew that because oh. the Aggies uh, played in the same conference as UTRGV. UTRGV, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we learned a little something there. there When's the last time we did an hour and a half outside your podcast on on a, on a radio program? Last year when yeah. I, I was hosting I was hosting a, a radio show, a United oh, okay. radio show. There you go. Yeah. How's the podcast doing? It's doing well. we got an episode tonight. Essentially, we're going to be done here at 530. I'm getting my butt in the car and driving back home to do our podcast, which starts at 6. Where is that available, and, and how can you subscribe to it? New Mexico United's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages will be live streamed at 6, and then anywhere you get your podcasts after the fact. So call that Spotify, wherever, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Now, Love David, our, what, what's your main sport? 
NFL. Uh, the one I like the most? Yeah. Soccer. I love soccer. But as far as kind of the big four, if I had to pick one of those four, I'd probably go NBA. I'm a big NBA guy. Yeah. I'm a big NBA guy. I do love college basketball, too. Same. Yeah. There's something special about college basketball. Mm -hmm. And now with all the like name, image, likeness stuff, mm -hmm. I'm far more in. I had a radio rule for a long time. Here's a little inside baseball for the listener. I had a radio rule for a long time. I didn't love interviewing high school athletes or college athletes. They don't get paid for it. That's correct. There it is. And because I morally was against it. Yeah. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Like right now, like, uh, hey, big game for Isaiah Chavez this past weekend, right? Big yeah. win over Wyoming. He's the guy. He's the quarterback, man. I never in the past would have called the university and said, hey, let me get that guy on. Mm -hmm. Never would I have done that. I'll do that now. Yeah. Because he needs platforms. And that's in the way, that's a way that it can benefit the colleges, too. Yes. I, I think there's been a lot of talk where colleges are like, you know, we didn't necessarily want to get into paying these guys. And you understand, you hear why. I yeah. don't necessarily agree with it, but I hear why. Here's a situation where it's going to benefit the college, too. It's some additional coverage. It's a good thing. I love that. Yeah. Whenever your guys come up in soccer, like they come, almost all of them come into the United program, like from amateur status, right? Some of them do. Some of them, you know, we get them from other teams, that kind of stuff, but often from amateur status. Like, how much do you believe that would benefit? Like, you run, you literally run a pro soccer team. Mm -hmm. Like, how much do you think that would benefit, like, athlete mentally to have already had exposure to finances, to the idea of being able to receive income for performance? Yeah. Well, LeBron James is. An example of somebody who's an anomaly, right? He was 18 years old, went directly from 17, I think, actually, yeah. went directly from high school into the NBA while he was one of the last ones to be able to do that and managed his money beautifully. He's been incredible with his money. Most kids, 17 year old kids, you give them millions of dollars, you even give them a couple hundred thousand dollars, they're not going to be able to manage that well. They're not going to know how to do it. Sure, so give them the baby steps. I'm talking about me. Yeah, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I would love to find out what I could do with it. Hey, LeBron's the exception to the rule there, though, right? In a lot of ways. Yeah, because we were talk we've ta had many conversations about mental health and, and the athletes and how they're affected. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about Delonte West last week at length. Yeah. And how, like, not, not always do athletes put in their corner, like, the best individuals to set themselves up for success. It's, it's often right. – it's guys from the block. It's guys from – well, they, you get it. They want to take care of the people who've brought them up. I Which I totally love. totally get yeah. that. But at the same time, those guys might not have the experience that you need. That's why you need somebody maybe who's a little unbiased, somebody who makes money when you make money so yeah. they have incentive to make you money. That's a, I mean, you can take LeBron out of Akron, but can you take Akron out of LeBron? LeBron is, again, the exception to the rule in a lot of ways, being one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but also in somebody who's just been the spitting image of what you want an athlete to be, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, just helping people, never getting in trouble – managing his money well, being a great teammate. I, I love LeBron James. They're literally the exact same. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot of Lobos. We're going to start that conversation at 415 when Dontrell Moore will join us on the Quan's Auto Care hotline. They're going to a bowl. The, oh, I tell you what. Don't I, do it. I said it. I said it. I said it from game one. They're going to a bowl this year. The the If you can stay the course after the correction of this ship, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be something special for this team. So excited for it. Obviously, the big conversation around town is Isaiah Chavez. We're going to talk about that. Yep. I know we reached out to the university to have Coach Gonzalez on later this week, and uh, they're often accommodating to us. Your boys are here Monday through Friday this week, so catch us. Four to seven, unless there's football in the way of any of that. At five o'clock, uh, a friend of the show, friend in real life, Josh Shushan, he will join us. We're going to do a little World Series preview, so that'll be fun. Play by play for the Isotopes, he will come on, and I'm sure he's going to talk about how his boys in Toronto didn't get a fair shake, and <laughs> and the world's not like I get it, Josh. If you want two complainers, we can talk about how my Phillies just got screwed over. It, so. Well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. I mean, did they really ever have a shot? Um, well, in the worst division in baseball, maybe. <laughs> maybe. This is looking like a Washington Nationals run here. 
You feel that way? 2019, yeah. Because yeah? for most of the season that year, the Nats were under 500, and then they made a run the last two months. It looks like Atlanta's well, mirroring the same kind of run. I'll tell you what's interesting about the Braves is, like, I've seen, like, all these, like, lifelong Braves fans Ugh. since, like, 19th of October. Yep. It's not right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, it's the yeah. same ones. It's the same ones that, you know, they're breaking out their Atlanta Braves hat for the first time since 2002. Yes. You know, the Braves won six straight, seven straight. Actually, I think it was more than that. Maybe in like eight or nine straight NL East divisions. Right. And then didn't win anything since. And for then, 21 all, years. All of a sudden. Wow. They dropped off the face of the earth. And now look at them. They're back. Some of their best players aren't even in the lineup and they're in the World Series. Can you imagine? Like, I'm such a big Braves fan, honey. Can you fix all these moth holes in my Andrew Jones jersey? <laughs> hey, it's Chipper Jones. We used to we used to heckle the heck out of Chipper Jones. Oh, yeah. Larry. Larry all the time. Larry. Because, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. And, like, he'd stand there at third base. But even today, I'm 36 years old. I still wear high socks. I wear high socks because Chipper. Chipper Jones wore high socks. Chipper Jones or Cal Ripken. So, but I was a Chipper Jones guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was a National League guy. Right. Like, the American League is similar to baseball, but I'm a big baseball fan. Sure. So, I was, yeah, I was a, I was, oh, I was a big Chipper guy. I was the 90s Braves. Yeah. I mean, they were they were impressive. We hated them. We hated them. As you should. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm also an NL guy. I'll cheer for the NL in the World Series unless it's the Braves or the Mets or the Nationals playing. I believe it was 96. I'll make sure I got this right. It was 96. So the they lose the World Series to the Yankees, but they beat the St. Louis Cardinals on the way there. And it was the first year of Tony La Russa. Yep. And that was the year where I was like, I'm going to hate the Braves more than anything. I hate you, Bobby Cox. I hate <laughs> you with all my heart. I, it's okay. Bobby Cox, he, he was, you know, at that point he was old. There's no way he would coach much longer. Right? <laughs> the whole team. There was, uh, it, um, I think the only young bloods on the team were like Chipper and Javi Lopez. And then it was like Marquise Grissom was on that team. Fred McGriff. He went. Yeah. yeah, that was taking it way back. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Jeff Blauser at short, and you're like, what is yeah, this team? Wow. And then Mark the, Limke. They lost to the. I think they lost to the Marlins in the NLCS the following year. The Marlins first one there. Yeah, World Series in '97 over the Indians. Just crazy time. Like, and that's when they. Like, here's our conversation about the Braves. That's it. Yeah, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. And the Marlins have more World Series victories than uh, the most, than most teams. They have the same crazy? amount as the Phillies, and we've been around a heck of a lot longer. Uh, from the texter, Kobe and Kevin Garnett did well with their money. That Well, that's yeah. an absolute fact. That's absolutely true. Those guys, like, all right, so the Kobe situation is a little different, right? Because Kobe grew up not in America. He grew up in Italy. He, right. Kobe Bryant grew up with a support system around him to wherever he got to the league, there were only people supporting him on his jersey mm-hmm. journey. I don't know the Kevin Garnett story as well. I don't know Kevin's background. I don't know KG's background at all. But you got to think, and you're 100% right, you know, Kobe grew up with the support system. LeBron grew up poor in Akron. You know, there there isn't a lot in Akron. I've spent time in Akron. It's kind of a kind of a, a quiet place. It's kind of a not not a lot happens right. there. Um, so he's coming from a place where there's not a lot of support. And again, like you said earlier, you want to have those people there who've been with you since day one. That's completely reasonable. It's what I would want to do in that situation. But LeBron was incredible. He has been incredible. He's been incredible his entire career with in a lot of ways more than just how he handles his money. Let's go to let's take that break. Let's get a hold of Dontrell Moore. So at four fifteen, we'll have Dontrell on the program. We'll talk about the big Lobo win this weekend and Laramie and just how much fun it was to cover the spread. Go on. <laughs> Love that so much. ABQ Central ninety five point nine FM and AM six ten. The sports animal. Chavez is under center. The tailback is Dumas. Tight end 
to the right is Jarvis, and it's a play fake. Chavez rolling out. It's a throwback. He has a man wide open. It's caught at the 30. It'll be a Lobo touchdown. All the way to the house. Trace Breckler. Six nothing Lobos. 43 yards. Wow, what a call. Joining us now on the program, friend of the show, friend in real life, Dontrell Moore. Ring of honoree, Dontrell Moore. <laughs> Dontrell, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'd like to throw it out there. Uh, the Lobos are 1-0 since my induction. So, yes. you know, that's kind of where what's where it is right now. Statistically very true. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't listen to the opening segment, uh, Dontrell, my friend Dave Carl with us from the New Mexico United, and he is excited to connect with you over this youth movement that the Lobos have and how the next four years will be the most exciting years in the history of all football. Well, slow down. Slow down. Oh. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Isaiah Chavez may never throw an incomplete pass again. That's how I feel. Yeah. Well, he threw one. He was 10 for 11, right? That's not bad. I you mean, get, that's, that's a pretty good percentage. You get that's one a out of the percentage. way. <laughs> uh, Bruckler and Dumas. and I mean, it's just, I mean, it, lo- it looked good from the young guys, right? So, so what's this movement? What's this excitement from? The excitement is real, right? The, and it, there should be excitement. There's excitement around winning. We all know that. Um, um, Isaiah, we know what he was able to do last year when he came on. Um, a lot of excitement. Um, and rightfully so, there, there needs to be excitement. A lot of – it's been a rough last five weeks, right? And so I think um, being excited about, uh, you know, the connection – um, last Saturday is something that the Lobo fans should be excited about. And just, you know, hopefully it continues. It takes it takes a lot to kind of keep that going. And the reality is UNLV will have a couple of weeks to kind of prepare. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, and we'll see what the coaches decide um, moving forward. How important is it to, like, pop that conference cherry? <laughs> uh, very important. Uh, very important. It, it kind of takes the monkey off the back, takes this, you know, uneasiness about, uh, what's going on in the season, and it just changes things. You know, your injuries don't hurt as much when you get a win. Um, when you get that first win, as you so eloquently put it, um, <laughs> um, um, it, it does a lot for the organization. It does a lot for the coaches. They coach a little different in regards to how they treat you, how they feel. Just There's just a better feeling, and the reality is can you keep that momentum? Can you figure out another way, uh, another another week to, to do the same thing. And, and that's the million-dollar question, right, every week. And that's why when you think about those schools who win every week, like the Alabamas of the world, yes, they have the bigger, better players always, but the reality is they still have to prepare each week and come out and perform each week. And it's tough to do. So, um, like I said, we'll see what happens moving forward. I want to talk to you about controlling a game, right? A couple stats to throw at you. 25-46, that's the time of possession for Wyoming. 34-14, time of possession for New Mexico. Despite that, Wyoming running 66 plays to 55 for New Mexico. That kind of tells you everything you need to know about, I'd say, a negative game script from the Wyoming perspective. But I would also say about New Mexico's ability to control the clock, control possession, run the ball. How crucial was that this week? Um, how crucial was it coming up against UNLV or against Wyoming that week? Against Wyoming. Okay. It, it was the game plan. It was absolutely the game plan. Um Throughout some stats, right? The reality is the the local defense over the last four or five games have 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 ran anywhere from seventy to ninety plays. That's way too many, as we all know the offensive woes that has kind of transpired with the Lobos uh, this season. And the and the defense has 
has, has, has played well enough to win games. Um, they've done some. They've done some things that I feel against Colorado State, um, even against San Diego State. Um, they they played well enough to, to to win those games. The offense just was absolutely dormant, right? Nothing since the last the first quarter of UTEP um, until this game. So um, the the reason that is important is because it now allows the defense to be more fresh. The offense is not only just letting the defense only run 66 plays, but they're maintaining the game. The the the, the clock gets shorter. Um, it's a, it's allowing for less things to go wrong on both sides of the football. So the the game plan was to put Isaiah in there, run that triple option, run the football between the tackles, establish the line of scrimmage, and that's what happened. And then it happened, not necessarily in a whole bunch of points, right? But 34 to you know, uh, dominating in what I opinion 10 minutes more than the other team, Wyoming, mm-hmm. allowed for for the Lobos to take control of the game from a from a explosion standpoint, meaning they have minimal opportunity to be explosive. They're not a great offense. We stopped the Lobo defensive line played well, stopped them in the running game as well. So it was all in all took Wyoming out of their game and allowed um, the defense to be fresh defensively. Joining us, the answer to every question, Dontrell Moore, color commentary <laughs> for your New Mexico Lobos. Uh, Wyoming had one drive, right? Like otherwise they had one drive. And then otherwise, the Lobos were able to rise to every occasion. Um, you go, so you go into UNLV, and UNLV doesn't hold the best record. How do you, like defensively, be able to try to carry that through to a second game or brand-new scheme, brand-new plan of attack, brand-new everything? My Obviously, I'm not there. I'm not coaching. I'm not doing it. But my answer to that would be you don't have to really do anything defensively. The, the onus is on the offense at this point. Can the offense duplicate that? for a second consecutive game. Defensively, you're going to do what you've pretty much done all year, which is, you know, bend but not break when you can, right? They've made enough plays. Um, I shouldn't say made enough plays because they haven't turned the ball over well, but meaning they've done enough defensively uh, in every single game to have been competitive in those games. If the offense, like I said, would have created just a little bit more offense, right? A couple of first downs. So for me, the onus is on the offense. Can Coach Warham and company figure out a way to create that magic that was um, last week against Wyoming, right? And the reality is there was it wasn't a lot of points. It wasn't a lot of score, right? It was 14. The reality is it was the way it happened. Wyoming never really had their foot in that game, and that was the dominant offense. So um, the reality is it's not the defense, in my opinion, coming into UNLV. The defense has to just kind of do what they've done, you know, uh, uh, not give up the big plays. They had a couple of those pass interferences, which are crazy, and it happened even last night in the NFL. I don't know if it's just the cornerback position right now. It's weird to me. Just, if you're beat, you turn around, you find the ball, you get an interception. But literally, um, in the 49er game last night, in the Lobo game, they, they're beat, and they turn around. They don't even turn around to find the ball. They just tackle the, the receiver. Of course they're going to call that. So, again, if the Lobos can minimize that on defense and the offense can just either play a clock position or you know score 21 points, that will go a long way to getting the second. Uh, w and Mountain West Conference play. Now, you obviously running back. How good does it feel in your mind when you see your team go out there defensively on the other mm-hmm. side of the ball and not give up a touchdown for three quarters, for four quarters? How does that make you feel? And knowing, okay, that means when we're ahead, that means I'm getting the ball right. more and more. And I get to run between <laughs> yeah, the no, tackles. We, I, I, I'll be honest. We, I played a lot. I played with some really good Lobo defenses, really, really good, nationally ranked 
in the four years that I was there. But so I know exactly what that feels like. And it's a not, all right, you're getting the ball. It's up to you. It's incumbent upon you and the offensive line to get it done. And it's a great feeling because you know, all right, our defense is holding. Because here's the reality. If I'm an offense and I know I can only score two or three touchdowns or maybe one touchdown, zero touchdowns for that matter, and my offense and my defense is giving up points, it's, 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 it's gut punching. Mm-hmm. It's that Mike Tyson punch, even though you knew it was coming. This one you don't know was coming. You, right? That, it's that you're out of breath and you're like, what the heck is going on? But when you know they're playing well, they're, they're flying around the football. Noble and those guys are creating havoc. Hightower and, and company are, are, are deflecting passes and, you know, just the linebackers are flowing and everyone's just playing strong and they're energetic. You know, listen, I just have to not turn the football over. I don't need to fumble as a running back and I need to try to get first down, two or three yards on first down. It's a great feeling. What do these kids do with a week off? Like, what do college, like, what do collegiate athletes do with a week off? Because yeah. it's been a while. couple things. Um, a coach long coached, you know, obviously defense coordinator, Coach Gonzalez is the head coach, but the same mentality, they're going to practice. They're going to literally go full pads. <laughs> they're going to practice. I'm telling you, at least that's what we did. Um, in general, college kids, they, they, they rest up a little bit. You know, it's, 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 it's been a few years since I played, so things have changed for the better in that regard. You, you rest them up a little bit, um, and you try to keep them under control. You really do. You don't give them a lot more freedom. You just give them rest, right? So instead of practicing for three hours, you're now watching film for three. You know what I mean? Those types of things. So reality is the college football landscape is a lot different than it was when I played, but the foundation of it is not. You still have 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, and you want to make sure that you are doing the best things for them and keeping them safe and keeping them, you know, um, you know, locked in, right? So the, the bye week isn't a week off. It's, you know, time to get rest, stay locked in, and, you know, that's why teams who are really good after the bye weeks and win after the bye weeks is because they didn't goof off, they didn't play around, they didn't take it as a week off, they, had another t- uh, they took it as an opportunity to rest, you know, have an extra week to prepare for UNLV, and those teams that do that are the teams that use up winning, so that's what you got to do, at least if I was the head coach. Don Trell, before I let you go, what is your opinion on David Carl growing a real-life mustache for what he claims to be a Halloween costume, even though it looks ridiculous and everyone that surrounds him can't help but laugh every time they see his face when he takes off a mask? What's your opinion on that? My opinion, without having seen the mustache, if if he is saying that it is a Halloween thing, then we have to trust him at face value and allow him to have that. And once Halloween passes, we can go from there. As long as he yes. can endure the laugh, they're going to come whether he likes them or not. And that's all we can do. So that's you, the level of analysis you get from Don Trell. Like so just to be completely clear, if he doesn't have it shaved off on November 1st. I deserve all the ridicule. He's then a punching bag for all the jokes that are associated with this just terrible decision. It's a, it's that's, a good mustache. I would not where it passed October 31st. It's, we shall see, right? Uh, it's it's coming. It's it's looming. We'll see what happens after the after 31st. But if you are wearing it, shame on you, man. That's fair. I can take that. <laughs> Dontrell Moore, voice of the Lobos, and my absolute favorite contact in my phone. Thank you, Dontrell. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. You have a good rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. What a good friend. What a good guy. And he's he's right about the mustache. He's very right. I'm not going to wear this past October 31st. I can't look at you without smiling. And I hate it. That's always the goal. I just hate it so much. Well, now you're making me want to keep it past October. When we get back, I'm going to talk about the United Stadium with a guy who knows more about it than anyone I've ever met, one David Carl. It's ABQ Central on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. We are eight days away from the deciding day of not just the new or continuing mayor of Albuquerque, By the way, 
I'm going to say I think it's going to be a runoff. I'm going to say it right now. I don't think so. You don't? I don't. Okay. I don't think so. They had that poll that came out yesterday in the journal. Sure, I saw that. Yeah, and it was, I think, I think, I could be wrong, they had Keller at, what, 53%? I thought I saw 44. I thought it was, we saw a different poll. I don't know. I don't know. We're on the wrong channel for that talk. Yep. I think it'll be a runoff. I'm being serious, though. Okay. That's how I feel. I hate politics. Do you? Yep. I'm obsessed. Okay. Like, I, a lot of people rank it like this, right? A lot of people are like, my number one is football. Yeah. My number two is uh, whatever. Yeah. Basketball, baseball, hockey. But for me, I think I put, like, politics number one. Well, you enjoy that. I'm going to enjoy my sports. <laughs> sports uh, sometimes often collide with politics, and that has happened with this stadium proposal that the United and the city of Albuquerque have partnered on. I feel like that's often lost, right? Mm, at times, yeah. Yeah. So as we're talking about the stadium, uh, the United has $10 million in your pocket. You currently have $10 million. True or false? Uh, true. Okay. Yeah. And you say, we, we no longer want $10 million. <laughs> we want to give we want to give that $10 million to the city of Albuquerque. Go. Go. Start building it. Get permission. Permission is the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most important thing. So city council obviously voted to put it on the ballot, and the ballot it goes on November 2nd. Early voting already underway. Uh, and yeah, the $10 million's right. United's put $10 million up front toward the project. And then in addition to that, if this all passes, right. we'll pay rent. And that rent's going to be $800,000 a year. And then in addition to that, there'll be revenue sharing, um, which they expect to be a minimum of about $100,000. So nine hundred oh, wow. grand a year plus the $10 million up front. If you just don't include the revenue sharing, it's $32.5 million. If you- the revenue sharing, there's more. More to the tune of how many home games? 16? So typically 16 home games, but that's just for the men's team. Part yeah. of the agreement was that a women's team would be legally required, which is great. That's, what, that's something that United's wanted for a long time. And so that would double the amount of soccer games. But it's not just soccer. That's, that's an important thing to remember, too. Yes, it's a, multi, it's a multi-purpose soccer stadium. So, yes, you've got men's games. Yes, you've got women's games, but you've got additional events. The city can put on, on events up to 15 days a year. They've got exclusive rights to it on that. And then in addition to that, you're bringing in local artists, local vendors, local restaurants, local bars, local breweries. We want the stadium to be open 365 days a year in a way that stadiums are not open. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instead of going and having a boring work meeting in your boring work office, have your boring work meeting at the stadium. That's great. Instead of walking around the mall to get your steps with your mom, Go walk around the stadium. Go to the food court. Go to the restaurants. Go to the breweries. Help local businesses. When you say you have to have a women's team, like when you say legally that's like an agreement between the city and the team, give me an understanding of that. Yeah, so United has wanted to bring a women's team to New Mexico for a long time. We've made no bones about that. What has been the obstacle thus far? Uh, A place to play. A place to have it. Oh, there's just not enough schedule at Isotopes Park? No, not no, not even. There's barely enough schedule for United at Isotopes Park. That's why there's so many Wednesday games. There you go. Okay. And we don't, we don't, I prefer Saturdays. You don't week. say. Yeah, I prefer Saturdays. But with that said, um, yeah, if, if we have the ability to, you know, get that stadium, then we've got a women's team there. And, again, United's wanted that for a long time, but the, with the recent letter of intent signed between the city, legally binding, I might add, between the city and the team, one of the items on that letter of intent, which again would be required if the bond passes, would be that United is required to bring a professional women's team to Albuquerque. Within what, a certain time frame? Yep, a, mi- a maximum of three years. So like tomorrow? A maximum of three years within of the stadium being opened. Okay, and obviously, like, well, I guess I say obviously, but not necessarily obviously. I would assume 
that all the gears would be turning before then? Uh, the gears have been turning on a women's team since day one. United has always wanted to bring a women's team here. It's something that has always been top of mind. We just need to have the facilities to be able to do it. So is that subsidized from the men's team, or is that financially feasible? It's financially feasible independently, yeah. but I would imagine that the ownership group would be very similar. Not necessarily same, but similar. Yeah. yeah. So, because I think that's my first, because you think of the WNBA, right? Like the WNBA is subsidized. Like, sure. But you got to remember the NWSL, which is the, it's not just the top league in America on the women's perspective, it's the top league in the world. I, today I learned. Yeah. The, the, the NWSL is the top women's soccer team in the world. You have the best players in the world playing in America. Brandy Chesney. You, she's a, she's retired. Oh, uh, shoot. Those... She's Mr. By just a little bit. That's my one. Yeah. <laughs> but with that said, you know, again, it's, it's, in America, you know, we've got the MLS, we've got the USL, and those are great leagues, but they're not the top league in the world. You mm-hmm. know, the English Premier League or the Bundesliga or Liga MX, you can, you know, make your decision about what might be the best league in the world, but it's not the MLS. The best league in the world in women's soccer is right here, and we could have a team in New Mexico, and that would be incredible. So I guess that's like a next question too, right, for like friend of this show or fan of your product, uh, MLS, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you guys are currently USL Pro. We are USL Championship. Okay, so USL Championship. Is that a name change I, that I just missed? Uh, USL Pro changed to USL Championship about, I think, like eight years ago. Oh, okay, so that's so just missed. It's like right around when Brandy Chastain retired. Uh, you can tell when my <laughs> – so so, uh, so is that like an aspiring for the United, or does that not matter? Well, I, I wouldn't say that United would rule it out. Yeah. It's not something that the club's actively seeking at the moment, but – Look at the plan for the stadium, right? The initial plan for the stadium that CAA ICON put out is potentially ten to 12,000-seat stadium with the ability to expand beyond that. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just not something that's actively being sought right now. And when you think about that, one of the things you need to think about, with, when, when I say that, I mean going to the MLS, one of the things you need to think about is our community. Mm-hmm. Who are the people we're serving? We're a low-income state. We, we've got a lot of people here who might not be able to afford MLS tickets, and that's important. We need people to be able to afford to go to games, and MLS prices sometimes are tough. So, so maybe MLS is in the future if we can find a way to make it feasible for our community. If we right. can't, we wouldn't do it, period. That's a really good point. I guess I didn't put thought to because right now it costs under $10 to get into a United game, right? Depending on where you sit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but you can be, you can be with the energy. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can, have, you can get a ticket. If you get season tickets, you can get them for 13 bucks. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's great. I mean, and, and it's, it's exciting entertainment. It's a lot of fun. Last game of the season's on Saturday. It's going to, I think it's going to be a sellout. It's going to be a blast. The energy's going to be off the charts. And you can get in for 13 bucks. A couple clarifying questions I get often when I talk about this, because I talk about this often, right? And we open up the Kwanzaa Care Hotline and people call in. Yeah, please. The stadium gets passed. Okay. The next step is to do what? Yeah, I think there's a few. Uh, first and foremost is to continue the conversations with individual communities, right? A site hasn't been picked, and I think that's really important. I think people are concerned about some sites. You know, I'm concerned that it might impact Borellis, or I'm concerned that it might impact South Broadway. A site hasn't been picked, and it doesn't have to be one of the four sites that CAA Icon in their study said would be preferred, I think was the term they used. It can be anywhere. It could be Mesa del Sol. It could be the West Side. It could be any one of these places. Right. So beyond there, it's figuring out where we want, might want to put it, and then from there, talking with the community and saying, what do you need to make this work for you? Because if it's not going to work for you, we won't put it there, period. Legally, we're not allowed. We, that was another thing in that LOI, that letter of intent I talked about. We wanted this included. We're the first professional sports team in America, period, ever, to require a community benefits agreement to be in place before a site can be picked. Legally, we are required to do it. 
that's the way it should be. That's the way teams should do stadium projects. So who is heading that conversation? Though? Is it the city of Albuquerque? Is it United? Is it a is it a joint appointed or elected board that yeah. does that decision making? How does that work? It's a great question. So it's a couple different things. Uh, so the CBA has to be agreed to between three parties, United, the city, and the, whichever community it ends up in. And you say, well, the community isn't an organization in and of itself. Like an right? alderman or a city councilman or something? So, no, not a city councilman, no. not an alderman, but a, uh, a essentially a neighborhood association. Okay. So if it was Borellis, for example, the Borellis Neighborhood Association and Borellis Community Coalition, maybe if it was, you know, maybe there's a Mesa del Sol Community Coalition or Neighborhood Association, you know, a, a West Side, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Again, this is the way teams should do it. I, I, this should be a model going forward for how teams should do this. Require the community to say yes. And if they say no, United can't do it, period. The city can't do it, period. Put the power in the hands of the people. So it, then, so let's say you find a place, right? Let's say it's present. And when I say you, I don't mean the United proper. I mean the the conglomeration, right? So the, the United and the city and whatever neighborhood association. Moving forward for this conversation, I'm going to call it Growth Association. Okay. So – of the United and the city and the growth association, they all decide in a spot. Is there a time frame? Do you have to move hastily? Will poor decisions be made? Like kind of paint the picture for me on, on if all those things come to an agreement uh, within six months, mm-hmm. do you expect like brick one to be laid the next day or, or what's the timeline on that? Yeah, that's up to the individual. If there's property, individual sellers need to sell that property, right? If they want to, that's yeah. another thing, you know, if let's just say it was in, uh, you know, on the west side, and we found a spot, and the city wants to put the stadium in that spot, and there's a guy who has a business there, and he says, I don't want to sell my business. Well, then we can't put it there, period. I right. mean, we, we have to move it. We have to find a way to go around the business. We're United has said from the beginning they're not going to participate in anything that removes people from their homes. So if the individuals, whether it be homes or businesses, want to sell and they can make that happen, that's great. If they can't, then it can't happen there either. Again, protection for people is important. Let's grab, let's grab a break before the top of the hour because I kind of want to come back to this a little bit. Sure. Because I don't think I'm hearing the negative from you that I'm that I've heard elsewhere, and maybe maybe I want a little clarification on some of that stuff. Sure. ABQ Central, ninety five point nine FM and AM six ten, the Sports Animal. Back live on the program, we've been talking stadium. We've kind of talked about a lot of positives, mm-hmm. like something. All right, so like I'm seeing stuff on social media, right? Dave Dave Carl's with us. Dave runs all things uh, New Mexico United, specifically community engagement stuff. If I ran all things experience. New Mexico United, we'd be in a little bit of trouble. It's okay. What's your official job title? Fan experience something something? Director of communications and fan experience. But, okay, so that's everything. I'm the guy. That's literally everything. No, I'm not the guy. That's, <laughs> it's somebody else. <laughs> um, so we were talking about the stadium. Yeah. And it's, hey, it can go through this voting process, and, and we can get to the point. And then the, what I see all the time – like on the internet or, or people who's opposed, they say, well, I don't want the United to run my stadium. Does the United run the stadium? Does the city run the stadium? Like kind of talk to me about like, is it Spectra, a third party company? Like, I don't, I don't know if I understand well enough to even explain it to the friends of the show. Yeah. So the stadium itself would be owned by the city of Albuquerque. United would operate the stadium. So they have the ability, United has the ability to get additional events in there, but so does the city, and I think that's really crucial too, right? So the city has 15 days in which they have exclusive access, right? And United does not have access to it on those days. So what is that, like graduation ceremonies and stuff? Could be that. It could yeah. be, you know, I know a lot of them, they like to do, um, uh, what are those big things where the isotopes fill up the stadium? They, they, do, they do a whole bunch of other events, but those are city-specific events. And that, again, they get a minimum of 15 days on those where they're just guaranteed those. 
But in addition to that, you can bring in, again, those things 365 days a year where people are, are constantly there. I liken it to Civic Plaza. That's that's the thing that I really like to, to liken it to. Civic Plaza, open 365 days a year. Sometimes they close it off for ticketed events. People go in there. They do their thing. You know, they have a ticket. They can get in. Other people can't. They close it off. But then they reopen it the next day. It would be very similar in my mind, with the exception of it would be closed at night, just kind of for security issues. So I guess I guess that still leaves it a little, like, inconspicuous though because is it is it there's every day there's a city of albuquerque director there running the stadium or no 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 it's operated by united okay yes so then the water bill who pays that united united's in charge of all utilities as well as the costs for police and fire and ems so is that part of the rental agreement, or that's that's on the United's pocketbook? That's, that's United. That's addition. That's an addition. I, I so I guess I'm really struggling because okay. I see. I feel that I felt like if it's listening to KKLB or if it's reading the journal, which some people claim is is a viable source, they're saying there's like a ton of expenditures going on to the community, and I just don't know if I see them. Like, but, where are the expenses that I, that I feel like are being claimed? I think there's a couple different things that people can point to. You know, not all costs are monetary. I think is important to point out, right? So people who live in the neighborhood, we've heard concerns where, you know, and we don't know what that neighborhood would be, obviously, but we've, you know, in proposed neighborhoods, you know, I'm concerned about traffic or I'm concerned about lights or I'm concerned about sound. And, th- and those are real concerns and yeah. we need to hear those and we need to listen to those. Um, in addition to that, there's land acquisition costs that the city uh, is is going to need to look into and figure out what those are going to be. And obviously those will vary wildly depending upon where the stadium will go. So I'd imagine those are maybe some of the expenses as well. Gross receipts. Yes. So there's some confusion on the ballot, right? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. We, we've been made aware of that. Yes. Yeah. So as it goes, as it's placed on the ballot, it says one thing or it's explained differently? It's a, So it is a GRT bond. This is a gross receipts tax bond. Okay. Uh well, the way it's listed on the ballot, in the question, it says it's a gross receipts tax bond. But when you go down to the part where it says, I support or I don't support or I, I approve or I don't approve, right. uh, it says it's a go bond. That is not the case. It's misprinted on the ballot. Has that been fixed? Like, what? How does that work? That's a good question for the Secretary of State's office. It's not going to impact overall what happens. So, oh, okay. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be a GRT bond regardless. That's how it works. Um, if this passes, it is a, it is a GRT bond. Uh, there is an issue on the ballot. Um, again, that's have, you have to go to the Secretary of State's office on that. But it doesn't actually impact the bill at all. Or not the bill in this situation, but the proposal. Yeah. So, okay. So then lastly, I guess my question is, obviously early voting has already started. That's right. But there's not early returns, right? Like you don't, there's no sort of idea of where it's currently at. No, there's, we don't. We don't no. have any idea. We'll know on November 2nd, the evening of November 2nd, like everybody else. Is there a watch party? No watch party. We're just going to kind of lay low, enjoy ourselves, and hope that they come back in a way that we like. This Saturday night, big, it's a must-win. Must-win situation. Yeah, it is a must-win. It's a must-win and get us some help. RGV, uh, we need them to drop some points either on Wednesday, so that's coming up in two days. We're going to tune into that. RGV is playing against Real Monarchs. We need them to drop points, either draw or lose there. Yes. And then on Saturday, we play at home against that same Real Monarchs team. We need yes. to beat them. And we need uh, RGV to drop some points potentially elsewhere. Going to be a lot of cheering and jeering for the same team this week. It's gonna, it is Wednesdays we don't like Wednesdays we like them Saturday we don't. Did, well, I mean to be fair. To be fair, I don't like a lot of people on Saturdays, so that's not Sunday mornings. I typically me. don't like people. Thank you for talking to me about the stadium. It's just because I'm so personally interested. Well, like I, I appreciate your interest. That's okay. good. I, I like the vestment in it. Uh, we're going to have Josh Hushan on in about five minutes. We're going to do a little World Series preview with one Dave Carl. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then we'll wrap it up, I don't know, talking Ted Lasso. Oh, big fan of that show. I don't know if you know that. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's a great show. 
You should watch it. ABQ Central, 95.9 FM, AM 610. The Sports Animal. Bye. Five o'clock hour. We know you're getting in the car, friend of the show. So we decided, let's church it up a little bit. Let's talk about God's game, baseball, and let's do it. My very best friend in baseball broadcasting, Josh Shushan. Josh, welcome to the program. It's good to be on the program once again. How you been? Feeling good. Welcome back to reality after what seemed like a six-week vacation you took after the end of the season, Josh. Well, I wish it was six-week vacation. That would have been uh, that would have been really nice, but that would have also been really expensive. Oh yeah. So man. it was kind of a couple of vacations that felt like one big long one, but. Good to be home for a while. Uh, out of the program today and joining us is David Carl, Director of Communications and Fan Experience with United, alongside Josh Shushan, Voice of the Isotopes. Josh, we're talking baseball, World Series specifically. Uh, how you feel, man? Like, you excited as I am? You, you excited to see the Dodgers lose and, and just the, the entire energy of everyone that surrounds you in your everyday life just being sad and disappointed the same way my father was when I told him I got into talk radio as a profession? <laughs> Wow, that, there was a lot to digest in that question. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, I'm not quite sure where to begin, other than I'm really looking forward to the World Series. I think there's a lot of really good storylines. Personally, I'm rooting for Dusty Baker. He's one of my all-time favorite people in baseball. I feel like unless you live in the Houston, the Houston metro area, you're just not allowed to root for the Astros because of the whole sign-stealing thing. And, yeah, you know, I don't really want to root for the Astros, but I really want Dusty Baker to win a World Series. And I think that um, I think he's got a good squad, but I think it's going to be a really good series. I think I'm going to ask you my next question through Morse code banging on trash cans. Is that okay? I'll, I'll do my best. Go ahead. <laughs> no, more, but to, to your point, though, more unlikable team. Is it is it the team that got caught sign-stealing, or is it the team that won a bajillion straight NL East titles and hasn't been good since, and all of a sudden they're very good? Well, I think the Braves are the easier team to like simply because of what you just mentioned, right? Like, they have not been, they have not been accused of stealing signs. You never know nowadays who is and who is not, but yeah. they, they – we're not found guilty. Let's put it that way. You know, so, you know, look, the, the Braves were an extremely popular team because of TBS. They were the only team that you could watch outside of your market for the longest time. So right. they have an enormous fan base as a result of that. I know that I know way more much about the Atlanta Braves in the 80s and 90s than I should have known just because I could watch their games. And, you know, that. the Braves have some fun characters, although I think the Astros have some fun characters. I think the Astros – thrive off being the heels in baseball and they don't really care and I think they have that going for them but I mean we got some local guys with Jock Peterson you know Topes alum is on the Braves that silly white pearl necklace that he wears you know the Tyler Matzik story is just awesome there you come back you know so um, you know there, there's a lot of just good storylines with the Braves and this will be the final piece of the Steve Bartman curse lifted if the Astros can finally get this win because obviously Cubs go on to win the World Series. Right. Dusty Baker, who was cursed by Steve Bartman, never got that title. I would I would like to see Dusty get one. Josh, do you think yeah, Dusty do you think he needs it for his legacy? Because you know, I I grew up an NL Central fan, and I'll tell you Dusty Baker has wasted more talent than any manager I've ever seen. Like as he much had some as tough teams with the Reds, though, man. I mean, he had some tough, tough years. He had some good Cubs teams. I mean, he's been in seems like he's been in the league for literally ever 
I would like to see him get one. Is that where you put him, Josh? He's got to win the ship to to kind of put himself in those conversations, or do you think he's already there? He probably needs to win. You know, um, here's the thing: when he took over the Giants, they were terrible, mm-hmm. and they were really good once he took over. Now, certainly he had Barry Bonds, right, and a lot of other guys, but and then once he left, they went downhill, and then he went to the Cubs, and he took the Cubs from a non-playoff team to a foul ball and really a ground ball double play to the shortstop away from going right. to the People ball always forget that about the play after the Bartman yeah. play, yeah. So Alex Gonzalez booting a routine double play grounder was the biggest thing that happened there. Then he goes to the Reds, who had been terrible for a long, long time, and he takes them to the playoffs. Then he goes to the Nationals, who had been terrible for a long time and were starting to get better, and he takes them to the playoffs, and they couldn't get over the hump. And then they win with basically his team <laughs> once, once he's gone. And now he goes to the Astros, and I think that the way that he's respected in baseball and the way that he was able to, I don't know if he really diffused the, you know, the scandal because there wasn't fans at the ballpark last year and some people are never going to get over it, but I think he just gave them an air of, of credibility. And, look, he's had talent, but I, don't, I, I wouldn't say that he's wasted a lot of talent. Every manager's got talent. I, I, I look at – how good was the team before he got there, and how good was the team after he left? And he's just been really good. He's one of those guys that he wins you games, maybe not X's and O's, but he wins you games because he just has an, a rare ability to bring people together. I mean, he's a black dude who the white guys can relate to, and he speaks Spanish, right? He brings a clubhouse together. He's like the oldest dude who's the hippest dude. You know, like you look at Dusty Baker and you compare him to Tony LaRusso, and one guy's super hip, and the other guy, you feel like he's a fossil. And they're not that far away in age. Well, so, and, and in likability, too, right? Nobody likes Tony yeah. LaRusso. I mean, I love Tony LaRusso. I mean, but but yes, you're, you're but a Cardinals yes. fan, but nobody likes Tony LaRusso. Everybody likes Dusty Baker, to your point. Dude's got a son who's 22 years old who got drafted this year. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how cool is that? He's going to pull a Ken Griffey the, Sr., Ken Griffey Jr., be on the same team. I went the other night, Josh, to WWE here in the Rio Rancho Event Center, and I take, like, uh, like 10-year-old nieces and nephews with me, and I point out that one of the wrestlers, Rey Mysterio, is wrestling with his real-life son who's 22 years old, and I think I think it's, I mean, it's got to be genetics, right? Like, you can't – you don't just accidentally born – a pro wrestler caliber baseball player who's drafted the year you're managing in the World Series. This yeah. this Astros team is missing uh, what I would argue is kind of like their spotlight piece. Although if you said Freddie Freeman to me, I would accept that argument immediately, and I would not I would not complain. But Ronald Acuna Jr. being out is a spotlight that is just lost for Major League Baseball because he should be every Wheaties box. He should be the whole thing. Do you think Major League Baseball is going to make any sort of effort to? be able to spotlight his story. Do you think Major League Baseball is going to make an effort to make sure you know this Braves team a lot better than than a lot of people know this this Houston Astros team? I hope so. But to be honest, I think that's more the job of Fox. That's yeah. the job of your TV partner more than it's the job of Major League Baseball. Now, here's the other thing. So they miss him, but if he doesn't go down, they don't get a brand-new outfield, mm-hmm. right? They got Jock Peterson. They got Rosario. They got Duvall. They got three guys to try to make up for one. And it's worked, right? So if he doesn't get hurt, I don't know if they – they certainly don't require three guys. They probably don't get Jock because they got Jock almost immediately to fill in for Acuna. And so that's one of the other things that makes it such a fascinating story. If you lose the best player, then you go out and you get three guys to try to replace him. 
And now here you are on the doorstep of a World Series title. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the local guy. I right. Think here. Alex Bregman obviously didn't play the full season. Uh, but his, you know, his numbers a little bit down this season. Still batting two seventy, which is very good. Um, you know, it's not it's not three hundred, but it's two seventy. It's in the mix. Yeah. Your, your thoughts on on Bregman's impact? I think that Alex Bregman's a guy who lives for these scenarios. I, I think that he enjoy as much as he likes kind of wrestling and MMA. I, I think that he kind of thrives off what we were talking about earlier about how the Astros are the heels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy who plays for, for these moments. And I think that he's a guy who can take – look, he was out way longer than we thought he was going to be out this year. And then when he was healthy, it was certainly not the type of season that he's capable of having and that he's had in the past. And so for him, it's a chance to turn what was otherwise a mostly lost season into a memorable season. I think that Alex is very aware of his legacy in baseball and, his, and how he's viewed and how he wants to be viewed in the short term and in the long term. And I think that he knows that – if he can win, if his team can win after the sign stealing scandal, that it's going to change the way that people look at him long term. I, I think that Alex, Alex is poised to have a really big series. I think that he can change the series at the plate. He can change it defensively. And I, I think it's kind of an easy guy to forget just because he hasn't done that much this year because he was hurt. And Carlos Correa's played so well. I know Tuve's played so well. I feel like just a matter of time before Bregman gets one of these just clutch hits or clutch home runs that we're going to remember for the next decade. I'm looking at these two managers, Josh, and I'm I'm thinking like Snicker, and I'm thinking, um, oh, on the tip of my tongue, we Dusty? just had yeah, thank you, yeah. Dusty. And this could be where each team goes to like the fifth inning, and then we're just going to see six relievers a game yeah. on each side, right? Like some of these games could be like amazingly long. How do you like package that if you are Fox? How do you package that in a way to like keep like viewer engaged? Because I think casual fan is going to struggle with what could be like greater than fifty percent of a ball game with relief pitching. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and that's that's one of the the problems that baseball has right now is that you think about changes that have been made to other sports. Shooting more three pointers helps you win games, and it's more exciting. Mm-hmm. In football, throwing the ball downfield helps you win games, and it's more exciting. In baseball, using more relief pitchers is not more exciting, and the jury is out on whether or not it helps you win more games. It's a strategy that teams are doing because they don't have any other option, and it makes it really hard, you're right, for the casual fan to sit through a three-and-a-half to four-hour game. Um, I mean, hopefully Charlie Morton can give you five innings or give you six innings. Well, he's on six days of rest. Like he yeah. should, yeah. Lance McCullers Jr. being out really hurts the Astros, and it really hurts the, the shortness of a game. I don't even want to use, I shouldn't use the word shortness. I just mean the flow of a game. I mean, you really got to be locked in for a long time. So, I mean, that, so that again, that becomes the job of the network and the announcers and, and how you present it. If you just complain for four hours about all these pitching changes, that's not helping you. So it's about telling the stories of the relief pitchers, telling the stories of Tyler Matzik, and you know, and, and all these different guys that we're going to see, because we're going to see a whole lot of them. Whether we like it or not, we're going to see a whole lot of relief pitchers because there's – remember, what, Zach Greinke should be a potential Hall of Fame guy that we're talking about, and he's a complete non-factor. You're just hoping to get three innings out of Zach Greinke these days. And, and I think it's a tribute to just how good hitting is and how good pitching has to be, where you're like, all right, we're just going to just go out there and do, give us everything you can for three batters or for five batters, and then it's just on to the next guy. Give us everything you got because that's the best way to win. 
or at least it's the only way teams think they can win based on how tired everybody is right now. Last one from Dave, and then we got to go. All right, Josh, before we let you go, your NLAL MVP, your NLAL Cy Young. Oh, geez. Uh, Otani for the American League. Yes. Um, I'm going to go Bryce Harper for the National League. Yes, again. That's correct. Those yep. are both correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Cy Young, boy, I remember, like, looking at all this, like, right as the season ended, and after my six-week vacation, which was really two <laughs> weeks, um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking, but I know it's Otani and, and Bryce Harper. I think it's Otani can have the Cy Young, too. That's how I feel. So just call it. <laughs> so, uh, I'll agree. With, I, I agree with you on both the ones you picked. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And yeah. my, my, my heart says Astros. My, bra- my brain says Braves. Okay. Braves in, seven, Braves in seven, then? Is that what you're saying? Braves and Braves and six is is right. about. So I'm going to take Houston with Zach Greinke pitching just a brilliant bullpen style game at the very end. Houston and four. <laughs> Josh, Houston, you're too much fun, and we're excited to spend a little bit of the off season with you whenever you can afford us the time. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it too, guys. Good guy, good dude in the booth, dude, good dude on the broadcast, good Talking dude in real baseball. life. Baseball. Got a lot of love for him. We got one short segment left, and then Monday Night Football. Yeah, Seattle Smith tonight, right? Gino Smith, he's uh, went to my alma mater. I was there. Gino and I were at WVU at the same time. I got a funny story about Gino Smith. If we got time later, when we get back, a funny story about Gino Smith. Whenever we get back, when it's time at WVU with David Carl, <laughs> ABQ Central on ninety five point nine FM and AM six ten, the Sports Animal. Back live on the program. Had about the most amount of fun I've ever had doing the program today. I'm telling Van. Thank you to everyone involved, specifically one David Carl who joined us throughout the entire production of this production helping me produce it, similar to the way that I'm producing Rocky Horror Picture Show this Saturday night. Does that make you a producer? I think by title it makes me – so. and we – you probably don't know about this. A friend of the show probably doesn't know. We also shot a documentary recently on um, a friend in my real life uh, talking about, like, her fitness journey. Uh, Her name is Dasha Mace. And, yeah, so I think think all of a sudden I'm now – You're like a documentarian producer. I'm like a real producer of things. You're basically Jacques Cousteau. Uh, I believe he was an explorer, so I think that's different. No, but he produced documentaries. That's basically you now. I think I was thinking of Ponce de Leon. That's a completely different person. <laughs> that man that man is an explorer with a capital E, yes. Thank you to one Dontrell Moore who joined us. Uh, he's my absolute favorite everything. And then Josh Shushan, who is the one guy that I claim knows more about baseball than I. So thank you to all of them. Mike Vitale, you did great today. You went to West Virginia. Yes. You are a what, West Virginian? Mountaineer. No, I did not grow up in West Virginia. Oh, okay. I am a Mountaineer, proud Mountaineer. Yes, sir. How did you end up there, though? I played tennis. What does that mean? Uh, I hit a ball with a racket. It most of the time went over the net. That's how tennis works. Like, athletically? Yeah. yeah. And they, they asked you to come there to do that? They paid me to do that. That's the craziest thing. Isn't that weird? So because you were a top-tier collegiate athlete, you got to hang out with Geno Smith. I wouldn't say we hung out. Oh, okay. he couldn't. He would not be able to pick me out of a lineup. But cool story. So the student union at WVU is called the Mountain Lair, which is a cool name. Yeah, it's got. Some, come on, that's cool. That's yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, like you, got, you got a Lord bunch, of the Rings thing or something. I, I like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. Nope. That tracks. That's on brand that for you. Tracks. Yeah. yeah. So there's some, <laughs> there's some steps that lead up to the Mountain Lair, and there's railings along those steps, and the football players like to hang out in front of the lair, and uh, Geno Smith leaning on one of those railings. As I'm walking by, falls backwards. Oh, He's going to no. crack his head open, and I unintentionally like just baby. react to catch Geno Smith in my arms. And he looks at me, and he goes, thanks. 
I mean, that seems how that should have gone. And I, I said, no problem. Remember me when you make your millions. And uh, he did not remember me, and I got uh, none, of, none of those millions. That's and, the whole story. And you don't have kids, right? Just dad reflexes. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Again, not that I'm aware of. Um, but, yeah, that was my Geno Smith story. I have a similar story. I went to Washington State University. Wazoo. And Thank you. And when I was uh, at State, I was at State the same time when Clay Thompson was at State. Mm-hmm. And you may be familiar with his work in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I was a freshman, and he was a – excuse me, I was a senior, and he was a freshman. And we were playing in this three-on-three uh, basketball against cancer, like, fundraiser thing. And it was he, a, a kid named Aaron Baines, who also played in the NBA, and then uh, another kid, I believe, D'Angelo Casto. So as we were playing the three-on-three thing, uh, we had won the first game. They had won the first game. Cool. We're in the second round. And then they went on to stomp us on a shooting performance by Clay Thompson that was maybe like six for six from the field, all twos, and then like three inside. But here's my claim to fame. You dunked on Clay Thompson. No. So underneath the basket, uh, because obviously like the crowd is moving around them right because they're the three collegiate basketball players and we're all of course yeah we work at the creamery yeah so anyway so i get in the low post and i i got a little dream shake to me i got one little dream shake move so i take i bring the ball in and i, and I was tucking inside and i do the open hand and i come around and i go and I, I come right up around aaron baines and and it's just a little finger roll just a little touch just and i kiss it over the top of the rim and i come down and then like all three of these guys like take a second and they do the and then the crowd like erupts, and I, <laughs> and I think I got the one basket. That's like, the best moment of your life. Oh my god! And I like I run I run back down the court like like arms behind me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then why well, is half court? So I guess I just reset. Yeah. But uh, so anyways, and then Clay Thompson went on to go six or six from the field, and they what everything else they just did inside. That's here. that's a peak. You can't <sighs> ever beat that. That's like uh, the New Mexico runners, the indoor soccer team. Yeah, which I broadcast for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Casey Gasson, goalkeeper. For yeah. Me. Excellent was, dude. Yeah, great dude. I was playing in a 3v3 tournament against him on a small pitch, and I nutmegged him. Oh, good. Best moment of my life. I ripped my shirt off. There are just children and families around. I did a knee slide, tore up my knees. They stomped us, but that was incredible. I'm going to make mention of that on oh, no. during a runner's broadcast. Oh, no. You put it in the public domain. Yeah, There's that nothing. was my fault. Yeah, I was playing in a celebrity, uh, like arena soccer celebrity game one time in St. Louis for the St. Louis Ambush. I was the broadcaster for the Ambush, and a twelve-year-old kid who was the son of the owner, Andrew Haynes. He was also the team DJ because he was like a fun little kid. Okay. Um. Anyways, he took me five hole in the middle of the field, oh. in the middle of the pitch, <laughs> and f- there was probably three thousand fans in there. <laughs> and and all I could do because I'm wearing like American flag, you know, I have like American flag bandana because I'm I'm a guy who puts on a show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the best athlete. I'm best entertainer. And uh, yeah, he he went right through me, and and all, I could just I could comically die like in a Bugs Bunny episode, just fall into the ground in a pivot. So you so we've reached your top moment and your bottom moment in the entirety of your life here, like public wise, yes, yeah. Like, in private, we don't need to get in far there. darker, yeah, insanely darker. Let's let's stick with the five hole there. Monday night football is tonight. I think it's New Orleans. I think they're going to go to Seattle. Should be a good game if you're into those types of games. What was up with Drew Brees' hair yesterday? You want to see that? Weird-looking dude. Uh, he's always been a weird-looking dude. Van should be back tomorrow. If not, I'll figure it out. Any final words before we go, Dave? Thanks for having me on. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks for listening, guys. Good job, everyone. GG.